Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. In the years since Russia invaded Ukraine, launching a devastating war on mainland Europe, we've seen commitments from EU states to send tanks and arms to support Vladimir Zelensky's war effort. And with millions of people forced to flee their home as reluctant refugees, they've found homes across the 27-member bloc, including Ireland. So to take the temperature in three of those countries on public support for sending military aid and housing refugees, in a moment we'll hear from Poland and Denmark. But first, I'm joined now from Germany. Germany by Derek Scally, who's Berlin correspondent with the Irish Times. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Claire. So firstly, how many Ukrainian refugees have arrived in Germany since the start of the war? Uh, the German authorities estimate about 1.1 million um, came in the last 12 months, 2022, or in the 12 months since uh, the war began. Now, that's more than all, came, all the people who came from Syria, Afghanistan and Iraq in the years of the refugee crisis, which, remember, 2014, 2016. So a huge surge. It's probably helped us. You can get on the train in Ukraine and get out of Berlin. Uh, and road connections are very popular as well. So proximity plays a role. And it's not as high as Poland. It seems to be out in front clearly, but in absolute terms, uh, despite its size, Germany is holding its own. And what is their their right to work and if they don't have a job or can't work for whatever reason, their access to benefits? How easy is it for them to begin to live a, a life in Germany? Well, apart from one uh, requirement which is just to register, register themselves within 90 days, they seem to pretty much have um, access to li- everyday life as if they were, let's say, a, a member of another EU member state, so they can stay visa-free. They have access to the labour market, schools, healthcare, welfare. Um, they're not in the sort of the, the separate system for asylum seekers from, um, let's say, non-European countries. There's extra courses for them for language integration, and I even found out you can have an individual consultation if you're a job seeker. How do you adapt your, your perhaps your qualifications to uh, German requirements or to the German labour market? So very generous, very unbureaucratic by German standards and above all very quick. And we've seen here in Ireland, Derek, and I'm sure you're aware that the housing crisis has led to tensions in some communities where refugees are housed. Those protests are very much on the periphery here in Ireland. Is that kind of discourse, is it getting any traction in Germany? It is, but you have to remember we've had a lot of that uh, in the refugee crisis of 2015 where smaller communities felt decisions were being made over their heads and then mayors had to say, well, we have been given a quota and we have to try and find somewhere to put them. So some of those tensions are emerging again. We had reports of a, of a, of a confrontation between the mayor and local residents in a city northeast of Berlin. But I guess the, the sort of the, the novelty factor, the newness of it isn't as much. Germany has often had tensions over refugees issues and there is a far-right party which uh, hasn't really made much headway with sort of the, the tensions which are here in the housing market. They're still stuck around 10 to 15 percent in polls but the housing market is tight in cities like Berlin and has really been picked clean but a lot of these Ukrainians are doing it quietly themselves. They've come with their life savings or they're still working for, for their company back home and, and about 70 percent of the Ukrainians coming here are living privately. The rest are being put up in sort of container villages and that has provoked some tensions but the, the private housing tensions that we've seen in Ireland aren't quite as, at least as obvious in the, in the public debate. Okay, so that's the humanitarian response, Derek. On the other side of it, the military response to the war uh, with Russia, 
that is seen in Germany in particular, given its history as a, a watershed moment. Just describe to us what's been happening and, and what the discourse is around that response. Yes, it's just uh, yesterday was a year since Olaf Scholz, the German Chancellor, stood up in Parliament and said everything has changed uh, because of Russia's attack. Germany has to change as well. And it, uh, he, he broke several taboos in, in his one-hour speech. He said we were going to supply arms to heavy arms to Ukraine, which is something Germany has never done in the post-war years. But also it said he's going to spend 100 billion to get his sort of, to, to, to knock the dust off the German military, which had really been suffering from benign neglect in the last decade. So also on those two fronts, supplying to Ukraine, but also getting his army in a, in a position where Germany could defend itself. Uh, it's been an expensive, timely business. Um, many people are saying it's taking too long. But I think on the tanks issue, it's interesting because, you know, we saw for months Germany being berated by its allies. If you mean it seriously with supporting Ukraine, you will supply tanks. Germany has now said we'll supply 14 tanks. Now they've said we'll supply 18 battle tanks and 40 armoured vehicles. Uh, vehicles and Germany looked over its shoulder for all these other people and their tanks and apart from Poland hasn't really seen a huge rush. So it's been a sort of reversal of fortunes there. It's all a work in progress but again by German standards they feel they've done quite a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. They've had to, they've had to uh, make huge emotional and uh, mental shifts in the last hundred, uh, the last year but I think uh, after the years of neglect it will take quite some time for Germany to, to get perhaps where Ukraine would like it to be as an ally. So what can you tell us about the German German public response to that, to spending on the war. What are the polls telling you about changes in attitude, if there are any? Um, it's, it's, it's a very divided country. Some about forty percent saying it's right to send tanks. The same, roughly the same, saying we shouldn't really be supplying any more. And what we saw at the weekend was a, a huge demonstration at the Brandenburg Gate by people saying Germany should be in, engaging more in a, a diplomatic effort, um, pushing for peace talks. Now this has caused uproar because many people are suggesting the organisers of that debate are effectively saying Ukraine should stop making such a fuss and and. Um, make concessions to Russia and uh, actually until Putin is interested in anything there's not really much to be done however tragic that may be so we're starting to see you know talk here we need to be doing more on the diplomatic front Olaf Scholz is really taking his time with decisions trying to play it down the middle because he knows the society here is divided but considering just how far they've gone and how short a time um, it's remarkable that things are almost as balanced, even if they are mm. divided, considering Germany's history, um, to keep things balanced like that is quite a political achievement. Derek, many thanks. Derek Scally there, Berlin correspondent with the Irish Times. I'm joined now by Amanda Coakley, who's Eastern Europe correspondent with Coda Story in Poland. Amanda, thank you for joining us. And I think it was a sign of how important Poland's role has been as an ally to Ukraine, that the US president included a visit there following his surprise trip to Kiev earlier in the month. Tell us how many Ukrainian refugees are in Poland now and what the public reaction has been to their arrival. So at the moment, there are 1.5 million Ukrainians who have received temporary protection in Poland. And then, of course, um, Poland is a, is a key point for people coming and going from Ukraine. So since the start of the, the Russian invasion, it's estimated that over 10 million Ukrainians have crossed the Polish-Ukrainian border. Um, so overall, I think the response here from people towards Ukrainian refugees is still very positive. And when you go across Poland, like I have over the last year, people will say that 
this is something that they can do to stand by Ukraine and it's something that they can do to protect Europe from what they call Russian aggression. And what's the housing situation like there? Because we know from experience here, as I was saying to Derek, the longer the war continues, the bigger the issue that temporary accommodation becomes. So the situation here is very different to Ireland and and it is different to Germany as well. And I think Derek laid out the German situation um, very, very well. In Poland, there was less of a squeeze in housing um, on February 24th. So there is more. um, So there were more places available, obviously, for Ukrainians. In addition, the Ukrainian community here in Poland is very, very strong. It's very large. So doors were immediately thrown open for Ukrainians to come in. Um, And then when it comes to public housing, I think there has been, because there's been so much private housing available, it's put slightly less pressure on the public housing here in Poland. But of course, if you if you seek out people that are frustrated about the public housing situation, you can find them. But I wouldn't say that people are taking to the streets, that this is kind of an issue that's beginning to rally people up. The overall feeling in Poland is just like, we have to wait this out. When the war is over, many of the people will go back to Ukraine as the country rebuilds. So we're going to kind of stick together. And as I said to my last question, it's really seen as as Poland resisting Russia and, and what they call Russian aggression. So that's where the bulk of, of the sentiment is here about the war. It's resistance to Russia rather than an issue with having to house refugees. Absolutely. So for, for years, the Polish government has been saying we, we, Russia is not going to, we, we cannot appease Russia with trade. We cannot appease Russia by, by bringing them into our institutions. And Russia is a threat to the security of Europe. And they've been saying this over and over again. And then when the invasion happened, there has been a sense from um, Polish diplomats and, and Polish politicians that, that, that they were right, that Western Europe didn't listen to them. And so kind of, the polls and and that trickles down into kind of you know day to day polls that you meet here. They always say you know we we told you this was going to happen, and so that sense of um, resistance is is greater on a day to day level than say the pressure that Ukrainian refugees are putting on some services. Okay. Amanda, thank you very much, Amanda Coakley there in Poland and from Denmark. I'm joined now by Elizabeth Ann Brown, freelance journalist based in Copenhagen. Elizabeth Ann, thank you for joining us this morning. Now Denmark hasn't taken in as many refugees as Poland and Germany for obvious reasons but those who have come to Denmark they haven't been lacking when it comes to financial support um I actually in in are you referring to the refugees who yes. uh, are arriving in Denmark yes uh, so that that has been something of an issue actually um so um the uh system in place in Denmark uh, to support refugee families is uh, receiving criticism in the last couple weeks uh, because of a quirk of how it's written. The vast majority of um, refugees uh, from Ukraine and Denmark are women and children. Um, But since those women, uh, many of them are technically married and uh, they are counted as 
they only receive partial benefits, even though their husbands are at war and uh, not drawing salaries to uh, help with Danish rent. Um, so those uh, mothers and children receive a very modest benefit, um, and that's a total benefit of about 1,200 euros a month, which is expected to cover housing, food, um, and uh, every, all other necessities. That and, and, and you've got a, a housing crisis there in major cities too. I mean, how has that impacted the type of accommodation that's available for refugees coming from Ukraine? Absolutely. Um, so, um, Initially, uh, some refugees were placed with host families. Others were in empty schools, nursing homes, and dormitories. Uh, but now the government is transitioning these these Ukrainian families um, to uh, more permanent housing, um, and they are expected to pay through uh, their own salaries from uh, from employment here in Denmark or uh, through those those modest benefits. Okay, we'll leave it there. The the line is a little shaky uh, from Denmark there. It's Elizabeth Ann Brown. Thank you very much for joining us from Copenhagen. We'll be back after this break. Email todaycb at rte.ie.